0: You're listening to Citizen Reporter, episode 448 for the 19th of April, 2013. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Citizen Reporter, the podcast dedicated to underreported news. I'm your host, Mark Fonseca Renderu sometimes known as Bicycle Mark. And today we're continuing with the topic of water, specifically when water goes from public to private and now in different parts of the world as it goes public again, the re-municipalization. Today we look at Latin America, specifically Bolivia, as our guest is Marcella Oliveira, Latin American coordinator for the Water For All campaign at Food and Water Watch. She's based in Bolivia and has watched the battle over the last decade as the water system went from public to private and now public again. But there's so much more to it, so I'm very glad to have her on today's program. Let's get right to that interview. Um, And let's take people back a little bit to put things in context, because I think we miss out on context in a lot of news stories and reports. We're talking about Bolivia and... Specifically, Cochabamba. Although I know there are other examples in the country, and the year was 2000, right? And we have this famous moment called the—they call them anyway—the Water Wars. Let's talk about what was going on then between who owns water, who who has access to water, and and the whole situation.
1: Well, um, what happened there is that you know the 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 water system. Two things happened there. Uh, The water system was um, was in the hands of the municipality. So that's when the major of the city, uh, you know, pressed by, well, obviously, the World Bank and the IMF decide to privatize. Uh, it was a condition um, to, uh, for the government to, to privatize the water system. So, um, you know, the government will, will have access to loans. So anyway, uh, it was privatized in, uh, in in November of 1999. But along the privatization of the water system came also a legislation um, on on water issues, and this legislation didn't affect just you know one part of the country, the city Cochabamba, but it affected um, it affected the whole the whole country. So um, this water legislation uh, is a um, it, it, the focus was you know privatizing uh, what we understood for privatization you know was taking the control of the water sources and putting the control of these water sources in the hands of the state so the state can you know give concessions and things like that so th- there were these two things you know people sometimes just focus on, on what happened in Cochabamba and the battle there but in fact it was not just um, you know the water system that was privatized but it was all this legislation that came along that will allow to privatize um, other sources and you know yeah systems that people have managed for for hundreds of years in an autonomous way
0: I think it's interesting that I guess even back then it was not an idea that was received by the public uh, as a great idea, right away. I think it seems like there was enough people, clearly from from the movement that arose, that's that's questioned this move.
1: Well, you know, the, the, the water system wasn't great. It was it was actually very corrupt. It was bad. You know, all the reasons why the World Bank and the IMF mentioned to privatize systems. You know, Cotovado was an example of that corruption and. And you know some people thought, "Oh, maybe this is gonna be good, you know because th- there is this idea that private always works better um but but there was enough opposition, not too many people involved um at the beginning but then you know when 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 Bechtel took over the water system immediately the the bills rose up um the water bills rose up, and that's when people realized you know that um." we had to do something that this was going to affect us. And uh, we were having, you know, the same amount of water. We were having the quality of water didn't improve, but the, the prices of it went just, on, you know, in, in a way that people couldn't really pay or afford. So that's when, you know, we started to organize and we, um, we, um, we planned several mobilizations that went from February to April, and in April is when, it's what we call the final battle. You know, we, we, we call to the people to really, uh, you know, kick the company out. Um, and, you know, when the government still maintained the position to to, to keep Bechtel in, in, in our town, it's when people start to talk, oh, well, so then the government is going to leave. You know, we're going to kick the company and we're going to kick the government. Um, so that's when, you know, I think... Um, uh Banzer was, was in that time our president. He was a former dictator. He got scared. You know, he wanted to to to, to pass to history as a Democrat. And he's the one that you know decided yeah, to cancel the contract. And, and then I think people know the story.
0: Yeah, it, it's impressive because uh, still today, all these years later. Sometimes we have protests and we have attempts at movements to reverse such ideas of privatizing different services, not just water. And here we have this example in Bolivia where not only was there a popular movement, but it, it won, right? I mean, that was a victory. And then comes the question, what do you do once you win?
1: Yeah, we, you know, we, yeah, we won. Uh, you know, it was a hard victory because there were people that were wounded and there was one, one. One young man that died. Um, so it was a sorry victory. But then, um, you know, after 18 or 20 uh, years, you know, that have been that the social movements in Bolivia have been losing battles. You know, this 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 was more than a practical victory. More than you know, recover the water company it was was a political victory. Uh, because people felt like we could win other battles too, you know that nothing was was written, that we could we could change history. Uh, you know, the water law was passed, the, the the water company was privatized, so we could revert that. So it it was amazing to see that we we you know we have these slogans that we repeat in in March that the, the people united will never be defeated. You know, that became reality, and and we couldn't believe it. Um, so anyway, you know that that little door that was opened in April two thousand allowed people to regain um, confidence and start to fight for other things. So if you see what happened in that decade you 'll see that um, there were a lot of um there were a lot of other victories um, you know uh, for coca for education. And I think if Evo Morales is right now president of of Bolivia, it's all part of that that little door that was opened in April 2000. But yeah, you know, and looking back again to to what water means, um, um, <clears throat> we we you know once the company was 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 there and the government said, okay, here it is, you know, do whatever you want to do. Uh, we really start to think and. That, that we were really good, um, you know, resisting, and we were very successful. Uh, but, but maybe we weren't thinking much in, in the alternatives. So the water company before the privatization was bad. Uh, it, was, it was worse with, with, with the privatization. And so what do we want? You know, do we want this, this water company to be, you know, to, to go back to what it was before? And people said, absolutely not. You know, we want this to, to, to be in people's hands so people can do something about that, so it can be accountable to, to the people. And we also started to question the notion of public. You know, what, what does it mean to have a public company? Does does that mean that it has to be in the hands of the state, or it it means it has to be in the hands of the people? So all all these things, you know, all all what I'm mentioning, it was learning of—we learned that after the World War, and and for several years we were reflecting on that. At the end, you know, we were also so, so busy trying to, trying to, um, because when we tried to to change the water company and to try to, you know, to create a new model of a water company, uh, it was very hard because um, we realized that the whole, um, you know, the whole system wouldn't allow a company that we imagine to work because all the legislation was against that. So neoliberalism in 20 years in our country uh, created a whole bureaucratic legislation that was impossible for a water company to, to that the way that we imagined to work in that system. And so then then we start to think, well, we have to change the system. You know, we have to change the way that the, the things were in Bolivia at that time. And so we start to talk about a constituent assembly in order to create a different kind of country because, you know, so you know, this little this this water system, the, the, what happened in April two thousand that was very, you know, practical, a, a concrete issue, uh, led us to think about the whole state of the country and, and how 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 the structure of the country was, and in that you know in that um, in that path, I think we didn't, you know, we we let the water company go away, and it went again in the hands of politicians. Um, it it has a lot of problems. I will say that right after the water war it improved in many ways, but um you know delivering water to, to some sectors they, they, they never had. Uh, but right now it's 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 not in good shape. You know, it's still in hands of, of the politicians. They are the ones on that decide. Um there's no control of the people in that and you know I, I think we it's like what the Equatorians uh, say you know we we won a battle, but we lost the battle too, so we won, but we lost um, anyway it's it's that's how it is
0: it's it sounds like a, sort of, yeah the the unfulfilled uh victory it's not complete, or yes, you can put it in the other context it's a battle it's not the war i mean it's amazing to think that you you know in the effort to better define and redefine for for our era and what we know now, what is public. You have to first get into the laws of a country, and of course, that's a much more difficult uh, thing. that takes much longer. Uh, so suddenly, you have to, yeah, get into politics. I'm I'm, I'm curious. You have described to me the, a difference between the idea of what is public in the in the global South, say, and then in the global North. I mean, if if the laws had been favorable, what what would a Public water company in for example Cochabamba, what would it look like would would it involve a lot of town meetings with with people coming you know into one place and discussing their water and how it's going
1: yeah i think that's that's exactly what it will happen it will It will put the control of the 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 water company i think in the hands of the ones that are you know are involved in that. I see, I see difference in the. You know, I, I travel a lot, north and south, uh, for the work that I do, and what I see in the north is that, that that people sort of have delegated the decisions of things that matter to them to politicians or to institutions, so. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's in a board room that where, where decisions are taken. And if you go to Bolivia or if you go to Ecuador or Peru, you know the, the 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 political system is so different because people want to decide about those things. You know, they don't want politicians to decide about it. And and um, so you know, while while people here probably feel comfortable with that that way and. And I tend to think that I'm not so comfortable for the things that have been happening, you know, during the, the past year, you know, with Occupy and and all all you know all the risings in in the north, um, you know, in in, in Bolivia that's the tradition in, in in our countries. That's the tradition, you know, to 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 decide for ourselves. You know, nobody has the right to decide for 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 the things that you know are important to you or are going to affect you. So in the case of water, I think people clearly have said we want to decide about that, and and that's what happened in April two thousand in Bolivia. I don't know how that model will will look like, but I think it will it will involve a lot of yeah people's participation, and that's something that happened in in Cochabamba like around. Forty, I will say, maybe even more than forty percent of the water system, or, or the or the water provision, is delivered by autonomous water systems. You know, is it's people have created the, because the state was absent, people have created their own water system. Systems and you know, like in Cochabamba, around that percentage of people get water, you know, because they have organized themselves around that. There are hundreds of water committees in the city, and they, each one of them, work completely different from the other because they have their own ways to organize. They have their own own rules. They have decided in a communal way the way that they want to run the water system. So I think we 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 have to start to look into. Into these kind of um, this, these types of organizations, because they are, they are, there are lessons there that we can learn to apply into these other big things that we have in, in, in our countries
0: so in many ways, I hear a spirit of we can 't do it through the government necessarily we'll do it on our on our own collectively or, or yeah autonomously, as you said. Um, is that a growing trend, I mean, is that disillusionment with the idea of doing it on the government level?
1: Well, I think that's that's, a, that's the way that it is in Bolivia right now. Uh, I don't know if you, you have been, well, the, 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 the Bolivian government is, in the case of water, the Bolivian government was pushing for a convention, a UN convention on the right to water, and it has been approved a couple of years ago, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so that that convention says that the state has the, ha, has the obligation to provide water to, to the people. So it puts again, you know, um, and this was something that the Bolivian government, you know, it looks like a great thing, you know, in theory. But, um, and it puts, um, you know, it, it, it was something that the government did it without talking to people about that. But if you go to Bolivia and you see the reality there, you will see that the state doesn't provide water to 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 a big part of the population. And this this population that that has been, you know, neglected in some way didn't wait for the state to provide water. You know, they organized themselves. Nobody can live without water. So they have created these amazing organizative um, systems that that go, I will say beyond water, you know. Um, and the, it's it's the way that it works there. You know, it's 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 a reality. It's not something that people are. And, and what what people there are actually saying is that we want to keep keep it this way. You know, we want to maintain our water systems uh, in a in an autonomous way, and with no intervention of the state. And um, and I think this is a reality in many many countries in in Latin America. You know, it's the same. Happens with the uh, communal aqueducts, uh, for example, in Colombia. Um, so it's it's people have been managing water for years. It's, it's the idea that 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 the state should be the provider. It's. It's something that probably doesn't apply in, in, in many countries, and I think we have to acknowledge that reality, especially in countries where there's an, a majority of indigenous population and where where people have other other ways or other traditions to you know to 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 organize you know. Hmm.
0: Marcel, I'm curious, on uh, and, and a more uh, personal note, uh, I mean, back in 2000, you were active uh, with, with the movement uh, for, well, you were concerned about what was happening with the water system. You are now working for uh, Food and Water Watch. How How is your work uh, connected to that, that world still? I mean, clearly it, it is, uh, but I'm curious how that's changed for you in your own work over the years.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it has been learning. You know, we... we... We, I think we, over the years is what we have been, you know, these reflections I'm I'm putting right now on the table are something that has been coming in the last, in the last 10 years or something, because we, we learned to, you know, we didn't know. After the water war, for example, we didn't know the privatization was happening in many other countries in, 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 in the world. And when we started to look at that, we saw the same happening in Peru. It was like they were sending, you know, these, these recipes to everywhere, you know, South Africa. And it's not just, you know, the, the, the countries in the south, but also in the north. But what happened in Detroit, for example, or, or England, you know, they had prepaid water meters there. So... Um, so it's it's you know all these things we realize, oh this is happening everywhere and and we start to connect with other people. um The work that I am doing uh, has allowed me to connect with um <clears throat> with many people in Latin America. We have created a network of organizations that are working on water issues, you know some people are pushing for you know for for to change the constitutional make constitutional amendments in their countries, and they're talking about the right to water. There are other countries like in Bolivia or Colombia where we're talking about a different approach, you know, we're talking more about the commons, and, you know, we all have gotten together and we're starting to talk about this and learning about, you know, uh, about experiences in, in, in other countries and what we can do in order to not just resist, because I think in Latin America, at least, we have passed from resistance to to the construction of alternatives. We are starting to do public public partnerships. You know, the World Bank talks about the public private partnerships. So we're saying no. We have public public partnerships, and yeah. and we're doing. You know, we're creating um, these these exchanges between water systems in Latin America with 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 a huge success. I will say, you know, uh, and. And with no intervention of the World Bank or the Inter American Development Bank, no no financial institutions. So I think we're, you know, no, no governments in many cases, you know. Um so I think we're are we're, we're taking in our hands, you know the, the, the solutions, we're tired to wait for the governments. The governments have failed us, so let's let's do it the other way now. You know, um, so I think my my work has allowed me to to see all this variety of struggles around the world and the different strategies that people have to 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 you know to fight things and yeah.
0: You know, I was just thinking of all the sources of criticism and obstacles to to these ideas of, of uh, rethinking public and public-public private uh, partnerships. Whoa, be careful with my words. Um, and I, I think that I can think of several obstacles, but I wonder for you, like, what's the biggest obstacle to moving towards, uh, you know, more of this kind of activity when it comes to, in this case, water, but I'm sure it could move into other uh, areas of our of our Life services. What's the biggest obstacle?
1: I think ourselves. You know, uh, I think it's just um, that we we sometimes put limitations to ourselves, and we think it's not possible. You know, they have taught us that with, with no financial institutions, you know, we can't provide water to the people, or without the governments, we can't do that. You know, and I think that's not not really true. I think there are other alternatives there, and we need we need more of that. Um, I think we have. Proved in 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 Latin America that that we we can easily kick corporations. We can easily quick, uh, kick um governments. You know, we we did it in Bolivia. We kicked the government. We kicked first the corporation, then the government. Uh, but you know, it's it's. I think it's it's about time to start to think on alternatives. And 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 I think it's it, that's that's the biggest challenge we face. You know, how we can. Create and design a world um, different from when they have, from what they have taught us. That's the only way, you know. So they have told us all over these years so that this capitalist system is the only way that we have, and there's no other, you know. But I see that communities are creating different different types of economy, different types of managing their 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 commons, and. I, I see that, you know, more frequently everywhere where I go.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Marcelo Oliveira, that's uh, Latin American coordinator for the Water for All campaign at Food and Water Watch. And I want to mention the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Foodandwaterwatch.org is the website. Um, Marcelo, thanks so much for taking the time. It's, it's great to hear from you. And, and it's also, I think, great to hear the, the acknowledgement of how complicated this can be, but also The possibilities, you know, the 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 what is possible and what we can do.
1: No, thank you very much for listening to me and uh you know and and we'll see you soon.
0: (laughs) And that about does it for today's program. A reminder that the website is citizenreporter.org. That's where you find Going on 450 podcasts that I've been producing since 2004. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you that this is a listener funded endeavor, which means you, over the years, who have donated once a year, once every six months, the five, the 10, the 20 euros or dollars, that's what keeps me going in this project. Without it, I would be lost and this would not exist. And there aren't that many independent podcasts out there on the internet. Uh, So I'm very proud to be able to do that. And uh, well, to be able to do that for you in many ways. So if you go to the website, by all means, check out some of the content and yes, donate using PayPal or Flatter, another great tool for donation. One small announcement before I go. I'll be heading on a last-minute journey to Turkey. So you will be hearing some content from Istanbul, where I will be for one week. More information on that in the shows to come. And, of course, on my website, citizenreporter.org. I know, I say it a lot in the program. But I'm excited to be able to share all the different content with you. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. See ya.